I want to start uh, this encounter series just uh, with a, it might sound a little remedial, and I don't want to belittle or, or oversimplify spirituality or encounter with the Lord, but in my mind, uh, this encounter can be reduced to a very simple uh, mathematic equation. Almost like one plus one equals two. Uh, I don't know if it can get any simpler than that. But in my mind, um, uh, it, much like this, it, an event that takes place in our lives, and you can pick any event in your life, where the divine shows up, where God shows up, there is a product, there's a result, and that is what I call a response. A plus B equals C, one plus one equals two. When there's an event in our lives that takes place, where the divine shows up, there is always a response. And that's what I want us to look at today, is this response that we have to God's involvement and His connection in our lives. I invite you to turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3, and we'll get there in just a second. Exodus 3. Um, I'm a runner. I like to run in the early morning. Uh, my question for you is, have you ever seen something that has just been out of the ordinary? Just crazy, out of the ordinary, um, double take, kind of, what was that? Uh, I tell you, if you haven't experienced that before, just become a runner and go out early in the morning. Just all sorts of crazy things. I've seen skunks, armadillos, I've seen, it just, you know, uh, those are fairly normal, but I also see uh, people in the morning, and if I can give you a word of advice, if you have a thought of going out of your house early in the morning and you think you're all by yourself, may I remind you that there are people like me who are running through your neighborhood. <laughs> I have seen, I won't say I've seen it all, but I've seen close to it all. Um, some of you like to go out with less than you should be wearing. I've seen uh, middle-aged overweight men uh, in boxer shorts taking the trash out. Uh, I just can't unsee that. It's just kind of one of those, I looked twice, I shouldn't have. It's one, you know, I've seen ladies in bathrobes and all sorts of character slippers. I've seen ladies with cold cream still on their face and curlers in their hair. And uh, most recently in our neighborhood, believe it or not, I saw a lady walking her dog in her car. I would venture to say, if you are walking your dog in your car, it's the dog that doesn't need the walk. You need the walk. Maybe the dog should be walking you. But yeah, I tell you, sometimes uh, truth is, is uh, stranger than fiction. And there are these things sometimes we just kind of go, what did I, huh, what? And Think of that, the last time maybe you saw something that was rather unusual. Well, here in Exodus 3, Moses sees something that's rather unusual. Um, this is before the Exodus. This is before he goes uh, to Egypt to lead God's people. In fact, he's been in Egypt. He was born and raised in Egypt. He gets into an altercation and he kills a man. So he's fled uh, out of Egypt and into the wilderness. He's, he's fled. And, and as we catch up in Exodus 3, we catch up with him. He is tending his uh, father-in-law's flock. And I want you to take a look at what happens while he's doing that. Exodus 3. 
It says, one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Yes, middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. I think that's a huge understatement in Scripture. This is amazing. He said, why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called him from the middle of the bush. You'll notice before that it says the angel of the Lord, but then when Moses steps closer, it says God speaks to him from the, the, the center of this bush. Moses, Moses, here I, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. So here's Moses, minding his own business, tending to flock, actually trying to uh, be inconspicuous and be unseen And here, even in that place, God sees him, and there's this event where God shows up, there's this encounter, and there's a response. You pick that up. Um, I think it's worth saying that those times when we are trying to maybe run from our problems, run from predicaments, trying to be inconspicuous and unseen, that even then, those are the times when God shows up and encounters us. So his response is, oh wow, and it's this, I'm sinful, I'm, I'm not God, and here I am in the presence of God, a holy God, a mighty God, and, and he is keenly aware of this gap that exists between he and a holy God, between him and God. This is a struggle and a, and a, a, a reality all through Scripture. Ever since the fall, there's this separation that exists between humanity and a holy God. This gap, this separation, all through Scripture, and even in our lives, there's this this keen understanding, this keen recognition that that we are not God and God is not us, and there is a difference. I don't know if you've ever been to uh, London, England, and um, uh, traveled around in the, the subway. It's called the Tube. Um, back a number of years when I was there, uh, it, it was just a, an amazing network of trains going all over the city and all over the, the area. Um, well, you go into any of the subway stations, any of the tube stations, uh, the underground in London, England, you get to the edge of the platform, and across the edge of the platform, there are words that are stenciled all along the edge of the platform, and those words say, mind the gap. Mind the gap. And you might wonder what's that, what that's for. Well, it's, the, it's indicating that, that when a train pulls into the station, there will be a space between the platform and the train. And in fact, it's amplified. It's not like taking the train here in, in Dallas or, or in any other big city in the United States that has a more modern system. Because, but because back in England, it, when the, the subway was built, it was built in so many different stages and there were so many different lines. And each of the lines had different types of trains, different sizes of trains. And so as the, the, the network expanded and trains started using different tracks and different platforms, none of the platforms were uniform because none of the trains were uniform in size and height in, in width and so any given at any given time at any given uh, uh, station at any given platform you could have a varying gap between the platform and the train 
Sometimes it was, it was an inch or so. Sometimes it was much wider. And, and so that encouragement was to, to mind the gap. Well, with Moses, this is in his mind. I have to mind this space because there's a definite space between an unholy human being and a holy God. This is the picture as he starts to approach this burning bush. I want us to take another look at another character, another encounter in Scripture, and it's, it's Isaiah. Over in Isaiah chapter 6, I want you to turn there. Isaiah was a, a, a guy who was living in a very spiritual, chaotic time. In fact, the king of that time was, had much to do with the chaos of the land spiritually at the time. This is a, a land of, of God's people. This is, this is God's nation of Israel. And yet it's in chaos because of this king's leadership. And here Isaiah is, is struggling through this, this dark time in Israel's history, and in that time, God shows up and speaks to him, much like God showed up in Moses' life and spoke to him. Take a look at verse 1. It was in the year King Uzziah died. This is the the king who had much responsibility for the, the darkness and the spiritual chaos. He says, I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a holy throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. I want to stop there for a second. You notice it was in the year the king Uzziah died and there was a change. There was a shift. There's something that was going on. And I think if you were to scan the, the history of your life, you would take note and you could identify that when there's a shift of some sort in some way, some form going on, many times we stop and we go, oh, that's just coincidence. But if you were to really stop and think about it, I'd venture to say that it was in those times that God was stirring and God was speaking and God was approaching you. Much like this week as we gathered on Thursday night and we began praying, uh, our altar team got together and we were praying for this, this weekend and our weekend services and that there was a real stirring. And many people were recounting just some, some of the things that had been going on even this week in their lives and in their communication, in their conversations. And, and it would be very easy for us to just go, oh, it, well, whatever, it's just coincidence, you know. But, but if you really stop and think about it, you go, hmm, I wonder if God is up to something. Much like the same way, there was a shift going on here in Israel, and it was at that moment that God was stirring and God was moving And God was speaking. And I want us, instead of going through life blindly, just kind of going, oh wow, what was that? I want us to start putting our spiritual antenna up and going, hmm, is God speaking? Hmm, is is God saying something? Is, is, Is God stirring? Is God trying to get my attention? Let's jump into verse 5 of Isaiah 6. So in response to this vision that Isaiah has, he said, it's all over. I am doomed for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's army. 
Isaiah has had this encounter with God. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. His train of his robe filled the temple. He has this encounter, this face-to-face encounter with this living, holy, mighty God. And he falls down on his knees in utter despair because he knows how sinful he is. And he knows how sinful God's people are and how desperately they need him. And yet here in this place, at this event, in this moment of time, God shows up and he's keenly aware of the gap that exists between he and God. But as I mentioned before, there's a response. There's this response. And I don't know if you've ever stopped to think about the different ways in which we respond or can respond to God. In these encounters and these moments that take place, I got thinking about it this week, and and uh, got thinking about how we respond and how we um, react when God steps into the room. And and I got thinking about it being kind of like how we would receive a guest into our own home. Um, you think about it if you're maybe sitting on your 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 uh, you know in your easy chair on your couch in in your um, in your den or in your living room or in your family room or that and um, if you're so fortunate to be able to have a cleaning person who comes in and cleans your house, I would venture to say when the when that cleaning person came in, you wouldn't stand up, welcome them, maybe give them you know uh, serve them coffee, tea, lunch, things like that. You wouldn't roll out the red carpet. It would just be kind of hey, yeah, let me know if you need anything. Yeah, you know where the washing machine is, you know where the dirty dishes are, you know where I leave my coffee cup, you know, you just know, just take care of it, and you know, whether you're doing some work at the kitchen table, or sitting in the living room, or you know, and maybe in your office doing something, or maybe a, a, a friend comes over that you're just really familiar with, they, you know, they have the keys to your back door, or maybe they know you keep your back door unlocked, or, and they just walk in, and they know where the fridge is, they know where the sandwich meat is, and the bread, and, and you know, mustard, and all that stuff, and you don't even get up, it's just kind of, hey, hey dude. I think sometimes we can have that, that laissez-faire casual attitude when God steps into our life. It's just, hey, he's our best buddy and he steps in and hey, yeah, you know where the, the junk, you know where the dirt is, clean it up and let me know when you're done. Sometimes that response to that encounter can be just that casual. I think another way that we could respond to a guest coming into our house is, uh, oh my goodness, uh, royalty has just stepped in. Imagine a, a king or a, a person of great renown unexpectedly knocks at your front door. What are you going to do? You're, you're going to kind of, you're going to hide the junk, all right? Quick, put the laundry up. Quick, you know. Take the, the dirty socks off of the sofa. Quick, you know, you're just you're gonna try and hide it. You're, you're, you're gonna put on this facade and this this you're trying to make like everything is is perfect. You're gonna roll out the red carpet, sit them down, treat them like royalty. You're just going to, you see where I'm going with this one. Sometimes we react to the presence of God in this way. Oh, everything's cool, God, everything's awesome, God. No, there's no dirty laundry here, God. 
Let me serve you. Let me worship you. Let me, you know, is there anything I can do for you? Let me, you know. We sometimes did this as a family when, you know, the pastor came over for dinner. Now, kids, be on your best behavior. Me and my two brothers, yeah, right. That's like asking us to disappear for five hours. You know, kids, be on your best behavior. Darren, don't hit your brother. Many times we step into the presence of God, we step into this encounter, and our response is, is, is sterilized. It's just, oh, isn't this great? Praise Jesus. Bless the Lord. See where I'm going? Is that the kind of response that God wants? I think in another way, and it's, really our responses aren't limited to these. These were just a few that I thought of. But um, it's funny because uh, when we go home to my parents' place, uh, um, Dan is going to laugh at this, but uh, my mom is that manic host, hostess, I should say. She's that one who it's like whatever she can do to make your life easier, better, happier, more joyful. It's just like, what can I do? Can I help you? Can I, get, can, I, can I get you some slippers? Are you hot enough? Are you cold enough? Do you have enough food? Do you, do you, you want another glass of milk? You want this? See where I'm going? It's, it's like, you know, I come, home, I come down, uh, you know, in the morning and sit at the breakfast table and mom's like, do you want some cereal? Do you want some milk? Do you want, is, it, is the milk cold enough? Is the milk warm enough? Is it, you know, is it, what can I do to make your life better? What can I do? To, you know? And some of us with God are like that. We're just this man like, oh, God's in our presence. Oh, man, we got to just blah, 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 blah. And, and moving and going and just and this and that. And, and, just, and we don't have time to slow down long enough. And I'm just, when I'm hanging out with my mom, I'm, I'm like, mom, just stop talking for a moment. It's quick, just hold on. And then sit down and, Man, I'm all the, here, all the way here from Texas. Can you just slow down a bit and, and let's just kind of talk? And I think at times some of our responses to God is just this manic sort of, this, this buzz of activity in this. When God shows up and He approaches us and we, we enter into His presence and it's just this trying to make up for lost time. I don't know what. We're feeling like somehow we, we got to prove ourselves or do enough or serve Him enough or, or perform in some way in order to get His approval. And there's, all these responses are just ways in which we kind of mess it up. And then all those are problematic. You know, I think sometimes we, we get thinking that, that our response to God somehow matches our personality or has to match our personality. Maybe we use that as a cop-out too. It's just kind of like, okay, well, I'm this type of person. So therefore, I relate to God in this manner. I'm a very analytical, cerebral, you know, I'm a, I'm a lists type of person. I'm a, so therefore, this is the way I'm going to uh, have this interaction with God. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get a spreadsheet out. I'm going to get all the pros and cons, and I'm going to have my list of, of needs, and then I'm going to have my confessions all written out, and we're just going to kind of robotically step through this relationship. Okay, but... I think sometimes that just really closes God in. Other times it's, oh, I'm just this, I'm a touchy-feely person. So, oh God, you know, I just have to have this touchy-feely relationship with God. And I, you see where I'm getting? I'm this, so therefore my relationship with God is this. 
Now, I don't think that can be and should be the be-all and end-all of your interaction and relationship with God. I understand you have a personality, you have, you have this, this wiring in the way God's made you, and that, that's a sermon for another time. Just ask me sometime about, about my opinion on Thomas and him approaching the Lord and just saying, you know what, I'm not going to believe until I feel uh, you know, the, the, the wounds on your hands. I understand God knows who we are. He made us. He formed us. We have a personality in that. But to, to put God into our personality box, I think is limiting him and what he wants to do in our lives. You see, there's, there's this gap. There's, as we see with Moses and with, with Isaiah, there's this gap between unholy people and a holy God. And, and in the Old Testament, there's this this wall, this gap that, that exists, it's, it's inevitable, it's there. Even as Moses goes back to Israel and he leads, God, uh, leads his people, uh, God's people out of the land of Egypt and, and into the desert and toward the promised land, there's this, this separation, there's this, this gap that exists and there's a struggle, this ongoing struggle, but there still is an event where God shows up in need of a response. And God is a holy God. He's a righteous God. There's a screen up on there that just shows all the characteristics, some of the characteristics of who God is. He's holy. He's mighty. He's righteous. He's, he's good. He's faithful. He's kind. He's, he's amazing. He's infinite. He's sovereign. He's, he's holy. Triune. This is the God who He is. Take, I think it's, we have it up on the screen. Do we? It's on the back screen. There it is. You know, there's God who is all of this, and we are not. There's a gap that exists, and, and the, the truth of the matter is in the Old Testament, there was this, this formal way in which God's people could, could bridge that gap. The atoning of sin by the blood of, 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 of uh, sheep and, and goats. There was a sacrificial system that took place, and it was this, this kind of... awkward sort of dance, and yet the invitation was still there for people to enter into the presence of the Lord and to commune with Him and to relate to Him. But you see, we are on the other side of the perfect sacrifice. We are on the other side of Jesus, God's own Son, who was sent to bridge this gap once and for all and to say, you know what? Yes, there was once a gap, but through my Son, Jesus Christ, there's no more gap because you are mine and you belong to me. And you know, this relationship doesn't have to be robotic anymore. It doesn't have to be couched in in your absolute awe and, and utter imperfectness before me. It doesn't have to be in this manic thing, whatever, or, or couched in your personality. It can just be a relationship where I sit down with you and you sit down with me and we connect and we commune and I share my heart with you and you share my, your heart with me. And let me be your God and you can be my people. I want to hang out with you, and I want you to hang out with me. I don't know if you've ever been there. But God desires that. There's an event in time, and I believe that this event is this morning, where God shows up, the divine shows up, and it's time for a response. And what will your response be? I want you to take a look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 just kind of puts it in a nutshell. You know, when we get thinking that God is this far off 
God that's removed and we can't touch Him and we can't... The writer to the Hebrews kind of puts it in perspective starting at verse 18 of chapter 12. I believe that He's speaking to us as much as He was speaking to the New Testament church. He says, you haven't come to this relationship that is, is at an arm's length. You haven't come to the, this, this far off distant God. You see, when Moses led his people out of Israel, their relationship with God was this kind of removed, distant relationship where God was on the mountain, the mountain of the Lord, and God's people were down in the valley, and Moses was this go-between between the presence of God and and. God's people. And the writer of the Hebrews says, you know what? That has changed. You no longer come to a physical mountain to the place of flaming fire of darkness and gloom and whirlwind as your Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. Did you hear that? They were in so much awe of this holy God and they were so recognizing this gap that existed that they said, you know what? We don't want anything to do with this because there's fear and trembling attached to it. Nothing more. You know, I think even this side of the cross, many of us have this posture toward God. It's this, you know what? God, just stop speaking because I don't know if I can handle it. And I want to encourage you, if that's a posture that you've had or you have even today, I want to encourage you to put your defenses down because God has so much more for you. They staggered back under God's commands. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. Here's even Moses, the guy who, who was in the very presence of God. Take off your sandals. Step into this holy ground. Connect with me. Let me tell you what, what my heart is for you and for my people. And yet Moses, how quickly he forgot about that and reverted back to fear and trembling and keeping God at, God at an arm's length. But here the writer of the Hebrews is saying, this is not the relationship that you have with God. This is not the relationship, crossroads, that you have with God. This is not the relationship that you today, January 27th, 2019, have with God. This isn't the relationship. No, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem and the countless thousands of angels in joyful gathering. You've come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are, are written in heaven. You've come to God Himself who is a judge over all things. You've come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. You've come to Jesus to Jesus, your Savior, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. But here he says, be, be careful that you don't refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. I have a question for you. When... You encounter God when you have an event where the divine shows up. What's your response? What's your response? Why don't you think about that for a moment? God's here right now. God's moving 
close to you. He's moving toward you right now. What's your response? Is it? Hmm. I'm a man of unclean lips. I have an unclean heart. I don't know if God wants to come any closer. Is it a... Man, I don't know if I'm even worthy. I don't know what God sees in me. I don't know what your response is. I don't want you to think about that. What's your response? But let me tell you that what God is leading us to, and I believe this is all of us today, is, is a response that says, God, come close. I want to put sin aside. Um, I want to put my coping mechanisms beside, uh, aside. Things that I've just tried to manage life with. I want to put those things that I do to escape aside. I want to put the doubt aside. I, uh, whatever it is, I believe for each one of us, there is something that's holding us back from this encounter, this relationship with God. Why don't you bow your, eyes, bow your heads, close your eyes for a moment.